0: Letter five of letters written during a short residence in Sweden, Norway, and Denmark. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Elizabeth Morant. Letters written during a short residence in Sweden, Norway, and Denmark by Mary Wollstonecraft. Letter five. Had I determined to travel in Sweden merely for pleasure, I should probably have chosen the road to Stockholm, though convinced, by repeated observation, that the manners of a people are best discriminated in the country. The inhabitants of the capital are all of the same genus. For the varieties in the species we must, therefore, search where the habitations of men are so separated as to allow the difference of climate to have its natural effect." and with this difference we are perhaps most forcibly struck at the first view just as we form an estimate of the leading traits of a character at the first glance of which intimacy afterwards makes us almost lose sight as my affairs called me to trostromstad the frontier town of sweden in my way to norway i was to pass over i heard the most uncultivated part of the country Still, I believe that the grand features of Sweden are the same everywhere, and it is only the grand features that admit of description. There is an individuality in every prospect, which remains in the memory as forcibly depicted as the particular features that have arrested our attention. Yet we cannot find words to discriminate that individuality so as to enable a stranger to say, this is the face, that the view. We may amuse by setting the imagination to work but we cannot store the memory with a fact. As I wish to give you a general idea of this country, I shall continue in my desultory manner to make such observations and reflections as the circumstances draw forth, without losing time by endeavouring to arrange them. Travelling in Sweden is very cheap, and even commodious, if you make but the proper arrangements. Here, as in other parts of the continent, it is necessary to have your own carriage, and to have a servant who can speak the language if you are unacquainted with it sometimes a servant who can drive would be found very useful which was our case for i travelled in company with two gentlemen one of whom had a german servant who drove very well this was all the party for not intending to make a long stay i left my little girl behind me as the roads are not much frequented to avoid waiting three or four hours for horses we sent as is the constant custom An avant-courier the night before, to order them at every post, and we constantly found them ready. Our first set I jokingly termed requisition horses, but afterwards we had almost always little spirited animals that went on at a round pace. The roads, making allowance for the ups and downs, are uncommonly good and pleasant. The expense, including the postillions and other incidental things, does not amount to more than a shilling the Swedish mile. The inns are tolerable, But not liking the rye bread, I found it necessary to furnish myself with some wheaten before I set out. The beds, too, were particularly disagreeable to me. It seemed to me that I was sinking into a grave when I entered them. For immersed in down, placed in a sort of box, I expected to be suffocated before morning. The sleeping between two down beds, they do so even in summer." must be very unwholesome during any season, and I cannot conceive how the people can bear it, especially as the summers are very warm. But warmth they seem not to feel, and, I should think, were afraid of the air, by always keeping their windows shut. In the winter I am persuaded I could not exist in rooms thus closed up, with stoves heated in their manner, for they only put wood into them twice a day, and, when the stove is thoroughly heated, they shut the flue, not admitting any air to renew its elasticity, even when the rooms are crowded with company. These stoves are made of earthenware, and often in a form that ornaments an apartment, which is never the case with the heavy iron ones I have seen elsewhere. Stoves may be economical, but I like a fire, a wood one, in preference, and I am convinced that the current of air which it attracts renders this the best mode of warming rooms. We arrived early the second evening at a little village called Quistram, Where we had determined to pass the night, having been informed that we should not afterwards find a tolerable inn until we reached Stromstad. Advancing towards Quistram, as the sun was beginning to decline, I was particularly impressed by the beauty of the situation. The road was on the declivity of a rocky mountain, slightly covered with a mossy herbage and vagrant firs. At the bottom, a river, straggling amongst the recesses of stone, was hastening forward to the ocean, and its grey rocks of which we had a prospect on the left, whilst on the right it stole peacefully forward into the meadows, losing itself in a thickly wooded rising ground. As we drew near, the loveliest bank of wild flowers variegated the prospect, and promised to exhale odours to add to the sweetness of the air, the purity of which you could almost see, alas, not smell, for the putrefying herrings which they use as manure, after the oil has been extracted, spread over the patches of earth, claimed by cultivation, destroyed every other. It was intolerable, and entered with us into the inn, which was in other respects a charming retreat. Whilst supper was preparing, I crossed the bridge, and strolled by the river, listening to its murmurs. Approaching the bank, the beauty of which had attracted my attention in the carriage, I recognized many of my old acquaintance growing with great luxuriance. Seated on it, I could not avoid noting an obvious remark sweden appeared to me the country in the world most proper to form the botanist and natural historian every object seemed to remind me of the creation of things of the first efforts of sportive nature when a country arrives at a certain state of perfection it looks as if it were made so and curiosity is not excited besides in social life too many objects occur for any to be distinctly observed by the generality of mankind Yet a contemplative man or poet in the country, I do not mean the country adjacent to cities, feels and sees what would escape vulgar eyes, and draws suitable inferences. This train of reflections might have led me further in every sense of the word, but I could not escape from the detestable evaporation of the herrings which poisoned all my pleasure. After making a tolerable supper, for it is not easy to get fresh provisions on the road, i retired to be lulled to sleep by the murmuring of a stream of which i with great difficulty obtained sufficient to perform my daily ablutions the last battle between the danes and swedes which gave new life to their ancient enmity was fought at this place seventeen eighty eight only seventeen or eighteen were killed for the great superiority of the danes and norwegians obliged the swedes to submit but sickness and a scarcity of provision proved very fatal to their opponents on their return it would be very easy to search for the particulars of this engagement in the publications of the day but as this manner of filling my pages does not come within my plan i probably should not have remarked that the battle was fought here were it not to relate an anecdote which i had from good authority i noticed when i first mentioned this place to you that we descended a steep before we came to the inn an immense ridge of rock stretching out on one side the inn was sheltered under them and about a hundred yards from it was a bridge that crossed the river the murmurs of which I have celebrated. It was not fordable. The Swedish general had received orders to stop at the bridge and dispute the passage, a most advantageous post for an army so much inferior in force. But the influence of beauty is not confined to courts. The mistress of the inn was handsome. When I saw her, there were still some remains of beauty. And to preserve her house, the general gave up the only tenable station. He was afterwards broke for contempt of orders approaching the frontiers consequently the sea nature resumed an aspect ruder and ruder or rather seemed the bones of the world waiting to be clothed with everything necessary to give life and beauty still it was sublime the clouds caught their hue of the rocks that menaced them the sun appeared afraid to shine the birds ceased to sing and the flowers to bloom but the eagle fixed his nest high amongst the rocks and the vulture hovered over this abode of desolation The farmhouses, in which only poverty resided, were formed of logs, scarcely keeping off the cold and drifting snow. Out of them the inhabitants seldom peeped, and the sports or prattling of children was neither seen or heard. The current of life seemed congealed at the source. All were not frozen, for it was summer, you remember, but everything appeared so dull that I waited to see ice in order to reconcile me to the absence of gaiety." the day before my attention had frequently been attracted by the wild beauties of the country we passed through the rocks which tossed their fantastic heads so high were often covered with pines and firs varied in the most picturesque manner little woods filled up the recesses when forests did not darken the scene and valleys and glens cleared of the trees displayed a dazzling verdure which contrasted with the gloom of the shading pines The eyes stole into many a covert where tranquillity seemed to have taken up her abode, and the number of little lakes that continually presented themselves added to the peaceful composure of the scenery. The little cultivation which appeared did not break the enchantment, nor did castles rear their turrets aloft to crush the cottages and prove that man is more savage than the natives of the woods. I heard of the bears, but never saw them stalk forth, which I was sorry for. I wished to have seen one in its wild state in the winter i am told they sometimes catch a stray cow which is a heavy loss to the owner the farms are small indeed most of the houses we saw on the road indicated poverty or rather that the people could just live towards the frontiers they grew worse and worse in their appearance as if not willing to put sterility itself out of countenance No garden smiled round the habitations, not a potato or cabbage to eat with the fish drying on a stick near the door. A little grain here and there appeared, the long stalks of which you might almost reckon. The day was gloomy when we passed over this rejected spot, the wind bleak, and winter seemed to be contending with nature, faintly struggling to change the season. Surely, thought I, if the sun ever shines here it cannot warm these stones— moss only cleaves to them partaking of their hardness and nothing like vegetable life appears to cheer with hope the heart so far from thinking that the primitive inhabitants of the world lived in a southern climate where paradise spontaneously arose i am led to infer from various circumstances that the first dwelling of man happened to be a spot like this which led him to adore a sun so seldom seen for this worship which probably preceded that of demons or demigods certainly never began in a southern climate where the continual presence of the sun prevented its being considered as a good or rather the want of it never being felt this glorious luminary would carelessly have diffused its blessings without being hailed as a benefactor man must therefore have been placed in the north to tempt him to run after the sun in order that the different parts of the earth might be peopled nor do I wonder that hordes of barbarians always poured out of these regions to seek for milder climes, when nothing like cultivation attached them to the soil, especially when we take into the view that the adventuring spirit common to man is naturally stronger and more general during the infancy of society. The conduct of the followers of Mahomet and the crusaders will sufficiently corroborate my assertion." approaching nearer to Stromstadt, the appearance of the town proved to be quite in character with the country we had just passed through i hesitated to use the word country yet could not find another still it would sound absurd to talk of fields of rocks the town was built on and under them three or four weather-beaten trees were shrinking from the wind and the grass grew so sparingly that I could not avoid thinking Dr. Johnson's hyperbolical assertion that the man merited well of his country who made a few blades of grass grow where they never grew before, might here have been uttered with strict propriety. The steeple likewise towered aloft, for what is a church even amongst the Lutherans without a steeple? But to prevent mischief in such an exposed situation, it is wisely placed on a rock at some distance not to endanger the roof of the church." Rambling about I saw the door open, and entered, when to my great surprise I found the clergyman reading prayers, with only the clerk attending. I instantly thought of Swift's dearly beloved Roger, but on inquiry I learned that someone had died that morning, and in Sweden it is customary to pray for the dead. The sun, who I suspected never dared to shine, began now to convince me that he came forth only to torment, for though the wind was still cutting, the rocks became intolerably warm under my feet whilst the herring of Phluvia, which I before found so very offensive, once more assailed me. I hastened back to the house of a merchant, the little sovereign of the place, because he was by far the richest, though not the mayor. Here we were most hospitably received, and introduced to a very fine and numerous family. I have before mentioned to you the lilies of the north. I might have added water-lilies, for the complexion of many, even of the young women, seemed to be bleached on the bosom of snow." But in this youthful circle the roses bloomed with all their wonted freshness and i wondered from whence the fire was stolen which sparkled in their fine blue eyes here we slept and i rose early in the morning to prepare for my little voyage to norway i had determined to go by water and was to leave my companions behind but not getting a boat immediately and the wind being high and unfavourable I was told that it was not safe to go to sea during such boisterous weather. I was, therefore, obliged to wait for the morrow, and had the present day on my hands, which I feared would be irksome because the family, who possessed about a dozen French words amongst them and not an English phrase, were anxious to amuse me, and would not let me remain alone in my room. The town we had already walked round and round, and if we advanced farther on the coast it was still to view the same unvaried immensity of water surrounded by barrenness. The gentleman, wishing to peep into Norway, proposed going to Frederikshall, the first town. The distance was only three Swedish miles. There and back again was but a day's journey, and would not, I thought, interfere with my voyage. I agreed, and invited the eldest and prettiest of the girls to accompany us. I invited her because I liked to see a beautiful face animated by pleasure, and to have an opportunity of regarding the country, whilst the gentlemen were amusing themselves with her. I did not know for i had not thought of it that we were to scale some of the most mountainous cliffs of sweden in our way to the ferry which separates the two countries entering amongst the cliffs we were sheltered from the wind warm sunbeams began to play streams to flow and groves of pines diversified the rocks sometimes they became suddenly bare and sublime once in particular after mounting the most terrific precipice we had to pass through a tremendous defile where the closing chasms seemed to threaten us with instant destruction when turning quickly verdant meadows and a beautiful lake relieved and charmed my eyes i had never travelled through switzerland but one of my companions assured me that i should not there find anything superior if equal to the wild grandeur of these views as we had not taken this excursion into our plan the horses had not been previously ordered which obliged us to wait two hours at the first post the day was wearing away the road was so bad that walking up the precipices consumed the time insensibly but as we desired horses at each post ready at a certain hour we reckoned on returning more speedily we stopped to dine at a tolerable farm they brought us out ham butter cheese and milk and the charge was so moderate that i scattered a little money amongst the children who were peeping at us in order to pay them for their trouble arrived at the ferry we were still detained for the people who attend at the ferries have a stupid kind of sluggishness in their manner which is very provoking when you are in haste at present i did not feel it for scrambling up the cliffs my eye followed the river as it rolled between the grand rocky banks and to complete the scenery they were covered with firs and pines through which the wind rustled as if it were lulling itself to sleep with the declining sun behold us now in norway and i could not avoid feeling surprised at observing the difference in the manners of the inhabitants of the two sides of the river for everything shows that the norwegians are more industrious and more opulent the swedes for neighbours are seldom the best friends accuse the norwegians of knavery and they retaliate by bringing a charge of hypocrisy against the swedes local circumstances probably render both unjust speaking from their feelings rather than reason and is this astonishing when we consider that most writers of travels have done the same whose works have served as materials for the compilers of universal histories all are eager to give a national character which is rarely just because they do not discriminate the natural from the acquired difference the natural i believe on due consideration will be found to consist merely in the degree of vivacity of thoughtfulness pleasures or pain inspired by the climate whilst the varieties which the forms of government including religion produce are much more numerous and unstable a people have been characterized as stupid by nature what a paradox because they did not consider that slaves having no object to stimulate industry have not their faculties sharpened by the only thing that can exercise them self-interest others have been brought forward as brutes having no aptitude for the arts and sciences only because the progress of improvement had not reached that stage which produces them those writers who have considered the history of man or of the human mind on a more enlarged scale have fallen into similar errors not reflecting that the passions are weak where the necessaries of life are too hardly or too easily obtained travellers who require that every nation should resemble their native country had better stay at home it is for example absurd to blame a people for not having that degree of personal cleanliness and elegance of manners which only refinement of taste produces and will produce everywhere in proportion as society attains a general polish the most essential service i presume that authors could render to society would be to promote inquiry and discussion instead of making those dogmatical assertions which only appear calculated to gird the human mind round with imaginary circles like the paper globe which represents the one he inhabits the spirit of inquiry is the characteristic of the present century from which the succeeding will i am persuaded receive a great accumulation of knowledge and doubtless its diffusion will in a great measure destroy the facetious national characters which have been supposed permanent though only rendered so by the permanency of ignorance arriving at fredericks hall at the siege of which charles the twelfth lost his life we had only time to take a transient view of it whilst they were preparing us some refreshment poor charles i thought of him with respect i have always felt the same for alexander with whom he has been classed as a madman by several writers who have reasoned superficially confounding the morals of the day with the few grand principles on which unchangeable morality rests making no allowance for the ignorance and prejudice of the period they do not perceive how much they themselves are indebted to general improvement for the acquirements and even the virtues which they would not have had the force of mind to attain by their individual exertions in a less advanced state of society the evening was fine as is usual at this season and the refreshing odour of the pine woods became more perceptible for it was nine o'clock when we left fredericks hall at the ferry we were detained by a dispute relative to our swedish passport which we did not think of getting countersigned in norway midnight was coming on yet it might with such propriety have been turned the noon of night that had young ever travelled towards the north i should not have wondered at his becoming enamoured of the moon but it is not the queen of night alone who reigns here in all her splendour though the sun loitering just below the horizon decks her within a golden tinge from his car illuminating the cliffs that hide him the heavens also of a clear softened blue throw her forward and the evening star appears a smaller moon to the naked eye the huge shadows of the rocks fringed with firs, concentrating the views without darkening them excited that tender melancholy which sublimating the imagination exalts rather than depresses the mind my companions fell asleep fortunately they did not snore and i contemplated fearless of idle questions a night such as i had never before seen or felt to charm the senses and calm the heart the very air was balmy as if freshened into morn producing the most voluptuous sensations A vague, pleasurable sentiment absorbed me as I opened my bosom to the embraces of nature, and my soul rose to its author with the chirping of the solitary birds, which began to feel, rather than see, advancing day. I had leisure to mark its progress. The grey morn streaked with silvery rays ushered in the orient beams, how beautifully varying into purple! Yet I was sorry to lose the soft, watery clouds which preceded them, exciting a kind of expectation that made me almost afraid to breathe lest i should break the charm i saw the sun and sighed one of my companions now awake perceiving that the postillion had mistaken the road began to swear at him and roused the other two who reluctantly shook off sleep we had immediately to measure back our steps and did not reach stromstad before five in the morning the wind had changed in the night and my boat was ready a dish of coffee and fresh linen recruited my spirits, and I directly set out again for Norway, purposing to land much higher up the coast. Wrapping my great coat round me, I lay down on some sails at the bottom of the boat, its motion rocking me to rest, till a discourteous wave interrupted my slumbers and obliged me to rise and feel a solitariness which was not so soothing as that of the past night. Adieu. End of Letter 5. Recording by Liz Morant. Liz gmail at gmail.com.